Man, I don't know about you. Is anyone else having fun this morning? Like, this has just been just a, this is just, it's just fun to be here with you today. I don't know, I love the, Heidi chose some great hymns today, and our kids joining us, um, just, and our wonderful choir, our wonderful choir this morning. It's just fun, and I'm, I'm grateful to be here with you today. So I thought in the spirit of fun, let's turn in your Bibles to the book of Leviticus this morning. If you are visiting with us for the first time, welcome. This is not a joke. Leviticus uh, is the third book of the Bible. And we're going to turn to the fourth chapter. I know, you're like, what are they? I know some of you are first-time guests. You're you're leaning over to your spouse and saying, oh my gosh, we come to a church for the first time. And they talk about Leviticus. i got to be better. We're going to talk about Leviticus next week too. So come on back. We're in the middle of a sermon series. I bet none of you have ever heard a sermon series on the book of Leviticus before. And I got to tell you, this is the first time I've ever pre- I've, I've preached for, for, for seven and a half years. I have never preached a sermon from the book of Leviticus. So this is a new experience for all of us this morning. Uh, so we're going to turn to Leviticus chapter 4. You have your Bibles. Uh, there are pew Bibles. You can use the app on your phone. I know our Wi-Fi is not really working all that well this morning, so you may need to turn that off to get that to work on your phone. Uh, Leviticus chapter 4. Uh, before we do, just I'm just going to take a moment of personal privilege this morning. Um, my, today is a special day in our family, and, I, I can't, and I'm here, but I want to wish a hap- this a happy birthday to my father and to my grandmother. They both share the same birthday, uh, uh, mother and son, and uh, they're going to listen on the podcast, two of the five people who listen on the podcast. Uh, and so I was wondering, could we, I don't know if we can pick up on my microphone, could we wish them a happy birthday? Ready? Happy birthday. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, no, seriously, we, we're amazed by how many people do listen on the podcast. Some of you go and you listen to the sermon again or you tell your friends. We're grateful for that. That is on our website. We'd love for you. I think it's podcast.danvillecumc.org. But today we're going to turn in God's Word to the book of Leviticus chapter 4. We're going to, begin, we're going to read a, a few of the verses and so if you'll follow along, if you have your Bible open, I invite you to leave it open, the, the, whole, the whole message today. So we're going to begin at the first verse. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, When anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done, and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull of the herd without blemish, as a sin offering to the Lord. He shall bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord and lay his hand on the head of the bull. The bull shall be slaughtered before the Lord. Verse 13. If the whole congregation of Israel errs unintentionally and the matter escapes the notice of the assembly and they do any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and incur guilt, when the sin that they have committed become known, the assembly shall offer a bull of the herd for a sin offering and bring it before the tent of meeting. In verse 22, when a ruler sins, doing unintentionally any one of the things that by commandments of the Lord his God ought not to be done and incurred guilt, once the guilt that he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring as his offering a male goat without blemish. If any of the ordinary people among you sins unintentionally in doing any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and incurs guilt, 
when the sin that you have committed is made known to you, you shall bring a female goat without blemish as your offering for the sin that you have committed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. And now, Heavenly Father, as we hear from your word, from this uh, mysterious and foreign book, Lord, that you would open it up to be good news to us today, that we would hear your good news today in the name of Jesus. And so we can do that with your Holy Spirit speaking to us today. For if your Holy Spirit speaks to us, nothing else matters. But if your Holy Spirit does not speak, Lord, nothing else matters. And so speak to us, Lord, we pray, for we, your children, are listening. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our strength, and through Christ you are our salvation. Amen. So let's talk about animal sacrifice this morning. I'm just curious, how many of you have pets? Oh yeah, you have pets. It, so, so I hadn't had pets for a long time, but I got married nine and a half months ago. And when I got married nine and a half months ago, I added an additional member to our family, and her name is Maggie. This is Maggie. Everyone say aw. Aw. She's cute, isn't she? Ten and a half pounds of fur, of love, and the sharpest teeth and claws you'll ever see. So when Maggie came to live with us about nine and a half, came to live with me and my wife when we got married nine and a half months ago came with Griffin. Um, Maggie, Griffin had had Maggie for several years, but I had never had a cat before. When I was a kid, we had dogs. I'll show you pictures of them too. This is Kira. Why I'm running. Beautiful dog. Uh, this is Kendall. He had a big heart. Great dog. Two great dogs. So we had these dogs growing up, and so I thought, hey, you know, I know what it's like to have a pet. I will to- this is totally my thing. At the early service, some people who have had cats and dogs said, no. You've, if you've had both, right, you know that I've learned in the last nine months they are not the same. Uh, it turns out my wife will not let me walk Maggie around outside. I can't take her on daily walks. Um, Kendall and Kira, they wanted to be the first person to meet any stranger who came to the door. Maggie wants to be the last person to meet any stranger, preferably from her hiding spot behind the recliner. So what I've learned is cats and dogs are different. You're like, well, great. I came here for that profound theological point. Here's my point. Do you ever, do you ever, do you ever not want to be treated just like Oh, I know what you're like. Do you ever want to be treated like you're an individual? Like you matter? Like you're one of a kind because you are the only you there is and there's no other you like you? You I think as uh, human beings, we like to generalize. We like to make statements. We like to make broad sweeping things to say about people. Um, We we live in a culture now that wants to divide divide us by external characteristics. Um, But what we find is uh, that in God's word and that to God, uh, God meets our needs each individually based on who we are. I think that's something that Leviticus chapter 4 teaches us is uh, that, uh, you know, it was a little little tiresome, wasn't it? When I said, you know, uh, if one of the priests sins, do this. If one of the congregation, and, and scholars believe that probably means the, the ruling class of the people of Israel, if, if they sin, you, you offer this. 
uh, as, if they sin as a group, you offer this. Uh, if if uh, they take the, the, the community in the wrong direction. Uh, if one of the tribal leaders, and, and they weren't really a formal government at this point, so they were families, so like the patriarch of a family sins, offer this. And if an ordinary person sins, you offer this. this was, it was a little repetitive, I felt. I don't know about you. But I think it shows us that when it comes to reconciliation, God looks at each one of us individually. Now, reconciliation in Leviticus probably looks different than you would normally think of when you think of that word. See, reconciliation comes because you and I have a deep-rooted need to be made right with God that we do not have. The first three chapters of the, of, the, of the Bible teach us all about that, that you and I were created in the image of God, in God's likeness, uh, not looking like God, but having the nature of relationship like God. But we find through disobedience in Genesis chapter 3 that we have broken those rules and we have set ourselves apart from God. And the rest of the Bible is about God trying to bring us back to relationship with him. So the way God does that in the Old Testament is he creates a people called Israel. And he says, you will be my people. I will be in relationship with you. I will make what, we call, what is called a covenant. That's a promise. That's a promise linking people together. I will make my covenant with you. And so God says, when, when you have separated yourself from me, I will provide a way for you to come back. And the way that God provides in the Old Testament is the sacrificial system that we read about. Now, I know if you're a vegetarian or a vegan or animal rights is your thing, this is not too comfortable, I'll give you that. But Because what, what we see here is that when people sin, they bring animals, and the animal is slaughtered there in the presence of God at the tent of meeting. Can you imagine what that smelled like? I've had people from the last service tell me, oh, they know exactly what that smells like. I thought, oh, well, that's great. I, I, you know, I, I don't. I, I've never lived on a farm. Many of you live on farms, and that's fantastic. So you know, like, imagine that. It does not smell like church, right? It does not smell like church. Oh, the sounds too, Right? So you, you hear this and you smell it and, and what it comes from. And then Leviticus tells us, if you, if you have your Bibles open, you look at chapter 4 again. Look at those verses we didn't read. It talks about the priests then take the blood and for various people they put, they sprinkle the blood. For the priests, they sprinkle it on the curtain of the place, uh, the, holy, uh, the holy place. They, 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 they sprinkle the blood on the horns, the little protrusions that come out of the altar that are, represent the mercy of God. And they, they sprinkle that on there. The blood. Why do they do that? They talk about the blood. There's a, the, the, in Leviticus, later in Leviticus, uh, it says the blood is the, the life of the animal is in the blood. It's in the blood, Leviticus 17. And so what they did is that is a symbolic sharing forth of that life that is given in substitution in many ways for the sin that has been committed because throughout the Bible the penalty, the wages of sin is death. 
because we have so offended, we have broken relationship, we have broken the holiness of God, and so God gives them a gift, and God says, uh, instead of offering yourself and your life, he says, you can offer an animal. It's a gift from God. You can, and if you can't afford a, a, a goat, you can offer a bird. And if you can't afford a bird, you can offer some flour and grain. You see, the, the, it's not that the, the sacrifice itself in Leviticus does not, that is not what atones for the sin. It is a symbol that God has forgiven sin. When they give those sacrifices, they can see that that has been accepted by God and their sin is forgiven. You see, you and I have that need that that separation is forgiven. You know, there's something interesting. I've been reading about sacrifice for this and for also the class I'm teaching on Wednesday night. The other thing about sacrifice is sacrifice is given. When, what is given for sacrifice is given only from things that God first gave them. Did you notice that? What God asked them to sacrifice. Uh, how many of you can create a bull? How many of you can create a goat? Or a bird? Now they're things that God first gave them. And so it's interesting. When God asks for sacrifice, God does not ask them to give of what they make, but what he makes. In fact, it was very common in ancient culture in the communities around them that for the most significant sacrifices, these pagans would sacrifice their own children. And God makes it clear in the book of Deuteronomy that you are not to do that. Because what God asks for you to sacrifice are only those things that God first gave you. See, when we come and we bring the gifts to the altar this morning, we said we bring them, but we bring a portion of what God has first given us. And so God offers this sacrificial system. God says, wherever you are, I can meet your need. I will meet your greatest need for forgiveness and reconciliation But God does not stop in the history of salvation only with providing animals for us to give. God, in the fullness of time, gives the greatest gift ever, and that is his son Jesus. You see, all of this in Leviticus, it points to the sacrifice of Jesus. You see, God provided lambs for the people to sacrifice. And do you remember John the Baptist? And we heard a little bit about John's preaching when Robert read for us today. But John, in John chapter 1, when he first saw Jesus, he says, there is the Lamb of God. See, it's God's great and perfect gift. And when God's great holy gift came into, con- into contact, into life, into connection with unholy people, we could only think of one thing to do with that perfect gift of God, and that's to kill it. To kill it. And so, Jesus betrayed to sinful men, and by Roman authority, is nailed to a cross 
with the crown of thorns pressed into his head and can you see it and can you hear it and can you smell it? The blood running down and pooling at his feet and the foot of the cross just like the animal's blood was laid at the foot of the altar. You see, that's the connection. That's what God has given us, is himself. You see, we didn't make him. In fact, the Bible goes to some lengths at some degree that many of us in our modern mind finds difficult to believe. Reminds us that God did not take an ordinary human created in an ordinary way and elevate him to divinity. The Bible very clearly, church history very clearly can, says that is not the way it is. In fact, says that God came and through the power of the Holy Spirit became incarnate of the Virgin Mary. That's why we said when we said the Apostles' Creed he was born of the Virgin Mary. See, we don't add those things just to make things harder to believe. We add them because it matters in this greater, bigger picture that God provided 100% the giver of his son Jesus who was given as a sacrifice. That when he gave his, that not only his death but also his life, a sacrifice poured out for us. And then that blood that was shed for him that in the story of the Bible is the life that he lived that blood is given is a sign that you and I can be forgiven. That you and I can be forgiven. That deep need of reconciliation that you and I have, that we feel in our hearts and in our lives, God says, you don't have to offer anything. I have nothing further to give you but what I've already given you. And that's a savior. And his name is Jesus. In Leviticus, uh, in the very first verse, it says, if any person sins unintentionally. Did you catch that word? Unintentionally. See, the Israel believed the sacrificial system really worked for those sins that were unintentional. In fact, if you sinned intentionally, or they called it sometimes or premeditated, they called it sin of the high hand, uh, the sacrificial system wasn't for you. In fact, we know that because when David uh, has that famous confession in the 51st Psalm after he commits adultery and lies and murders and shall I go on, he says, I could offer you sacrifice, but that's not what you want. See, in Jesus, Jesus is there for every separation we have. Every division we have from him, every brokenness has been nailed to the cross and the blood of Christ is enough for all that you have committed before today, today, and forever. The sacrifice has been made. And for you and me, what we do is simply come to accept it. You see, that grace has been given to you. God has been poured out for you. The very life of God given and shed as a sacrifice to substitute for your sins and my sins and that the wages of sin are death, Paul reminds us in Romans, but the gift of God is everlasting life. You see, you and I can trade in for wherever we are, whatever need we have, whatever struggle we have, he sees it. We read from, uh, from Luke chapter 3, right? And uh, said, uh, and, and, and just, an, just an example of the ways that the struggles we have. He says, well, you know, someone says, well, what if, uh, what if, what if, I've, uh, what if I've stolen from people? 
and says, well, well gee, we, we can deal with that. Well, what if I've lied to people? Well, we can deal with that too. Um, what, if I've, uh, what if I've cheated in my business? Well, that's there too. Whatever your need is, and maybe it's known, and maybe it's secret, in Jesus Christ, God has atoned for that. God has provided a way. And I want to tell you, there's no prerequisite to come. There's no prerequisite. When, uh, before I was here, I, I, before I came here three and a half years ago, I served two small churches in an area between Cincinnati and Lexington. And, and when I was out in the community, I would ask people, I would invite people to church, and I kept hearing the same thing over and over again. And I asked Chris, Chris served in the same area a few years before I did, and he heard it there too. He said, and maybe you've heard it, I haven't heard it here as much, but I'd invite someone and they'd say, I don't have the right clothes to wear. You ever invited someone and someone said that to you? I don't know. That was big there. I heard that all the time. And I'd look at them and they appeared to be wearing clothes. And the clothes appeared to be roughly similar to what people in church might wear. So I'd say, well, no, you're wearing the right clothes. I don't have the right clothes. And I hear that over and over again. And I thought, well, I wonder what that means. I don't, and I thought, you know, I wonder if it's deeper. I think they believe. And so many people, I'm going to tell you, so many people believe that they've got to be good enough to come to Jesus. If I get my life figured out, like all the church people have their lives figured out, that's supposed to be funny, guys. Right? Like, all, I can come. But the truth is, you and I might be wearing nicer clothes. I'm wearing a full-length robe, my goodness. But you and I struggle, too. And so there is nobody who needs to do anything but simply can come to him and say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. They call that the Jesus prayer. Have you ever heard that? You don't need to have the right clothes. You don't need to clean up your life. In fact, I'm going to tell you, don't wait. Don't say, well, I've got to fix something before I come to Jesus. Jesus wants you to come to him today as you are. He will accept you as you are, and praise God will not leave you where you are. You see, you and I, the separation we experience from God, he will come and take that and he will remold it and reconnect you with God and he will reconnect you with others. It's called grace. And how do we respond? We respond in faith. Not saying, well, I believe in God. That's fine. But saying, I trust. This is my hope. I come and I offer myself to you. It's all I've got. But I come and trust that your sacrifice is enough to meet every need. So today, in a moment, as we sing our last hymn, we're going to sing another great hymn. We've been singing great hymns today. One more great hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And as we do, I want you to know this altar is open for you to come. You pray where you are. You come pray at the rail. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today, there is no better day than today for you to come. Because Jesus has offered himself for you. There's nothing you have to do but simply respond in faith. And if you maybe you're in a place in your life where there's something struggling that's going on with yourself or someone in your family, you want to come and pray, you come here. He will meet you here. He will meet you where you are. But you can come. These rails are open. And so, friends, do you have needs? He sees you as you are. 
each individual one. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So will you come? Let's pray.